when you get the news, you have to run with it. If your child is at school and the teacher said that he fell down and burst his head, you have to leave what you're doing right away and you've got to go. Those are the urgent things and they're important. Your child needs attention. You have to go. And then the things that are not so urgent, they're important though, but they do not require your immediate attention. And these are the things that tend to be the long-term plans and goals that you have. These are the things that you want to be able to fulfill your God-given purpose. Right? So these are the things in life, you think about it you know, in a, from a physical realm, you know, you're planning your vacation, you're planning to exercise more. These are long-term things. You don't need to it's not so bad, but you know you're setting yourself some goals and some targets. And then about three are the things that are urgent, but they're really not important. These are the things that comes to you in the middle of a day. You know, you're in a meeting and somebody calls you because there's a call. But it's really not so important. It's so urgent, but because the call came in the middle of something, but it's really not that important. It's an interruption in your daily schedule. And then in the fourth quadrant are the things that are not urgent, and guess what? They are not important. Right? And these are the areas where we have the distractions, right? This is, this is where we have social media, Instagram, and Facebook, right? And 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 and, and video games and Netflix, binging on Netflix. Now people tell me, oh, they watch Crown of Thorns or Crown of something. You know, episode after episode that is called Netflix binging. And, and if we're not careful, it comes among us too as believers. These are the things that add no value to our long-term goals. These are the things that add no value to our lives, really. You know, I don't know if you have these smartphones and at the end of the week, it will tell you your average screen time. Right? And if you're not careful, I mean, sometimes I look at this and it says three hours. How on earth do you spend three hours anywhere on that phone? Because everything you do, and it detracts the time that you're spending. And I'm saying to myself, you might spend three hours a day screen time, up every day, seven days a week. Just imagine how much time I'm losing. Am I really achieving anything that is positive? And that is the quadrant that we really don't want to be in. So yes, then we got this matrix from a management point of view, but we can see here that we can also use it in our spiritual work as well. Because we don't want to get lost in the things that are in box four. But these are the things that is going to keep us away from achieving our long-term goals. And as Christians, we all have one long-term goal because we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we are remembering that our life is brief. It is fleeting and we want to spend it wisely. We don't want to feel guilty when we do them and believe me, those things in box four, when you do them, you the sit and think about it, you're going to feel guilty about how we have spent our time. We want to be reminded of that. Hallelujah. We, what we want to do is to spend most of our time really in box two. It says not urgent and important, but sometimes it actually becomes urgent when it comes to the things of the Lord. Because we have to, it, it is important and long term because we have to plan, we have to be strategic to really follow after God's art. We have to be deliberate when we want to follow God's purpose for our lives. And so we want to spend most of our time in section two. It is said that the people who achieve the most significant things are the people who spend 80% of their time in that box too. They're not urgent and important because they're strategic, they have a goal, and they're working methodically towards those goals. We don't want the not so urgent and the not so important to distract us. We have a great example in our Lord Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. He was the ultimate example of how we spend our time. He achieved so much in the three and a half years of his ministry. And that is because he was focused on his goals. He did not allow what was around him to distract him. 
And so as a believer, as a citizen in the kingdom, we have to decide what it is that is important to us. Where do we put our priority, right? And Jesus himself actually gave us the principles to achieve what he requires of us. He tells us how we decide what is important. What are the things that are in that box too? Because our ultimate long-term goal as a citizen of the kingdom of God is to please our God, is to ensure that at the end of our journey, our God is able to say, well done. And so in Matthew 6, verse 33, you've heard it over and over. This is God's, this is God's theory. Right, so Hansel Hauer has his matrix. This is what our God says. This is how he says we need to ensure that we live our lives and prioritize our lives. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, it is important for us to understand the context in which Jesus said this. And to understand this particular verse, it's, it's important to examine the larger context in which we said this in the book of Matthew. Right? We know that all of this saying is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. All of chapter 5, all the way into, into chapter 7, Jesus spoke about various things. He spoke about prayer and divorce. He spoke about adultery, murder, giving to the needy. He spoke about the law and so much more. And right in this, of course, is where we find the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. In all of these subjects, he's drawn a distinction between life in the kingdom of God versus the life that is lived in the kingdom of the world. He's showing people that there's a new reality available to us in the kingdom of God. And so the new life in the kingdom has ramification for every area of our lives, including our relationships, the way we spend our money, our spiritual growth, our emotional health, all clearly set out by what Jesus said, that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. More specifically, Jesus instructed to seek first the kingdom of God in the context of him teaching us about not to worry, not to worry about food and clothing. So these are the things of life. These are the everyday things of life that as human beings we are concerned about. But here we see Jesus really teaching us what is the difference between living in the old covenant and the new covenant that we have in the kingdom of God. So we want to take a closer look at what Jesus is saying. Now, first of all, we notice that it's a command that Jesus is actually given. But he started the, the, the sentence with the conjunction but. And that is, it, it is immediately telling you that he's contrasting what he's about to say with what he said before. So he's contrasting it to a work, to a life in the kingdom of God with one where we're out of the kingdom of God. And he's referring back to the passage earlier where if you were to read it, where he speaks about take no thought for your life, what you shall wear or what you shall eat. Because your heavenly father, he knows already that you, that you have need of all of that. Right? And he said, look at, the, look at the lilies, look at the birds of the air. They don't have the toil, but they are fed. Look at the lilies. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then he said, you know, this is like a remedy, the cure for worry. He said, but, but seek first the kingdom of God. And that seek there. I mean, if you think about seeking something, it's not just looking for it. It's not just looking in your seat, right? It is an order to, to, to search diligently, right? You have to be able to find it. You have to meditate. You have to reason. You have to strive for it. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes diligence. It has to preoccupy your mind. It takes work. If you lose something and you cannot find it, you 
telling you at the level of effort that you're putting into it, you're turning up everything upside down the house trying to find this one thing. And I always say to myself when I'm looking for something, I find everything else except the thing that I'm looking for. I don't know if that has ever happened to you. But that is what always seems to happen. And that is kind of seeking. Jesus is talking about we have to strive for it. We have to put serious, serious effort into it. We have to commit it earnestly. That is what Jesus was saying. And guess what? That the, when he used that word seek, it's in his continuous present tense. It's not just a one-time seeking. It's an everyday seeking. It is continuous. It has to become our goal and the pattern of our lives. That is what is required. Because guess what? When we are seeking, there are other forces in the world that is trying to distract us and to preoccupy our mind and to draw us away from God. These are the things in the box four that we talked about earlier. They are here to distract you and so you have to be deliberately focused in seeking. Jesus said you have to seek first. His priority is first in line, is number one in ranking. You have to see first. It's a matter of the highest priority because guess what? Eternal treasures are at stake. And therefore, we have to give it our all. We have to give it our all. We cannot pursue earthly treasures. We are pursuing heavenly treasures. And therefore, Jesus is saying here, all our desires, our decisions, every affection of our heart have to find its way to this ultimate end, to the glory of God and his kingdom. That is what we, he wants us to do. We have to do it with priority. We have to give it time and effort because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. But we, you may be thinking, how do we seek the kingdom of God? But let us first look about, think about, Jesus said we're to seek the kingdom of God. And if you, you read through the Gospels and, and the life of Jesus' ministry, he's always teaching about the kingdom of God. What is this kingdom of God that Jesus is saying that we are to seek first? We have to give priority to. We have to put that number one on our list. First of all, we see the kingdom of God as conversion, as someone having salvation. In Mark 10, verse 15, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Jesus means the kingdom is something to be entered into by faith as a little child. That is what we call conversion. Receiving salvation. Verse 23 of Mark 10 says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How oh, hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Again, conversion, salvation. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 3, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And therefore, we're all entered into the kingdom of God because we have been converted, we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But Jesus also speaks about the kingdom of God as a physical place. In Luke 13, 29, he said, they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. Of course, here he's talking about the kingdom to come when he will return and his reign will be a physical one of the kingdom. He speaks about them sitting with Abraham and Isaac. So we're talking about the physical kingdom that we are looking forward to being in when Jesus returns or culminates in when Jesus returns because we're already part of the kingdom as we see because in some places in life, the kingdom is really a spiritual place. In Luke 17, 20, 21, we read, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they see, see here or there. For what? The kingdom of God is within you. 
so by a decision based on that. That's true, but sometimes I, I don't want to consult you all. Probably you consult me all the time. But sometimes we don't think about them doing it because we just are rushing to the thing of good, the thing of nice. And it's after we come back out now and realize that's not what the Lord wanted you to do. Because God, when you stay under the leadership of God, we didn't stay under his rule. We have to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to him. Because guess what? He's the one who makes the rule and his word is final. It is his will which is subject of the kingdom fulfilled. We want to fulfill the will of the Lord. We want to fulfill the will of our God. And so we have to ask ourselves, where in which aspect of our life and area of our lives have we not allowed the Lord to rule and to reign in our lives? Every area must be subjected to his leadership. That is what seeking the kingdom is all about. We seek the rule and the reign of Christ, is the second one, instead of the rule of this world. Now, this world sets itself up as an authority against the authority of Christ. We know it. Every time we're tempted, every time we just wander with one thing, is the world pulling us, pulling us into its, into, into its grasp. If we just think for a moment how easily it is for our hearts to become distracted by the things of this world. Look how hard it is sometimes just to sit and pray because there's always a bing on the phone and some, you know, in the middle of the prayer, you remember something and if you're not careful, you have to stop and check it. The distractions of this world that are seeking to, to exert influence over our lives. And so we have to be deliberate and say, no word, you're not having any authority over me because I am a citizen of the kingdom of God and my authority comes only from the king of kings. Paul reminds us in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not like of this world that we have to remember that we are in the world but we are not of the world. The world will entice us with its allurement and, 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 and enticement as it were. All the things that appeal to our physical senses you know and this is what the Bible speaks about the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. These are the things that the world will bring against us because it, 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 it tastes good so we want to taste it. It looks good so we're going to watch that movie even though when we're watching we really know ourselves we're not feeling right in our spirit but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to listen to some lustful song because it make you feel nice to yourself but you really know yourself. It, it's not under the authority of Jesus Christ and it doesn't help us. It doesn't help us to meet our ultimate goal of living a life that is pleasing to our God. Let me tell you, brethren, the nicest of things in this life cannot, they, they, they bring satisfaction. Yes, they bring some satisfaction, but they only last for a time. It is only when we submit our Lordship to Jesus Christ that we experience what righteousness and peace and joy the Holy Spirit is. Paul said in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 3, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where you are. That's where I want to be. My life is in with Christ in God. And therefore, I'm going to be seeking the things that are above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Philippians 3, 17, 11, Paul said, you know, I want to be like Paul. For what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as, one translation says, as dumb, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, hallelujah, 
power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul just wanted to possess and be possessed by Jesus Christ. He wanted to be found in him. Oh, hallelujah. He wanted to make sure that Jesus Christ was the very foundation of his life and the very purpose for his existence. You see, when you think that way, brethren, everything else comes into perspective. It's easier then to be able to set your priorities. Hallelujah. Paul said that I may know him, that I may have a complete and absolute understanding of who he is. Oh God, of what he can do and how I can be made perfect and complete in Jesus Christ. That is my desire, that I may know him. Oh, hallelujah. And therefore, I want my life to be subjected to the reign of God. Fourteen, we see the rule and reign of Christ in this world. Hallelujah. We see the kingdom of God by its establishment here in this world. Because guess what? We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors in the kingdom. The king has sent us out as his representative here on earth. And therefore, we are required to bring the reign of the kingdom in the lives of others. Hallelujah. So that we are, we become his witnesses. That others may also experience the spiritual kingdom that we are a part of. And so we have to share the good news of salvation to everyone so that the reign of Christ may also be established in their hearts. And so we pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see the reign and rule of Christ by seeking his rule and reign in the new world to come. Hallelujah. We look forward to the, when the kingdom culminates. Hallelujah. And all of us, who have been accepted into the spiritual kingdom will come out of the physical reign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm looking forward to that day. Are you looking forward to this day? Hallelujah. And let me tell you the evidence of the and the reign of the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ can be seen in us. First Corinthians 4, verse 20 said, For the kingdom of God is it is not in word, but it is in power. You see, the evidence that Jesus is king of our life, the evidence that Jesus is the one who we have given authority in our lives, the evidence that he is where we have put our focus and our priority, seen by the power of God and how the power of God is manifested in our lives. Because guess what? Where the king is, there is power. And where there is power, it will be manifested. It is a power of new life. It is a power to be able to walk holy before him. Which means that we're able to triumph in this world. We're able to triumph over sin. We're able to triumph over the temptation that faces us. And so, if the king is resident in our souls, in our lives, if he reigns in us, it therefore means that we have the power to live as kingdom citizens. We have the power within us to live as kingdom citizens. And therefore, it's going to be evidence in us when the power of God is manifested, when we're able to walk away from that temptation, when we're able to I'm not saying that we're not going to sin, but when you sin, you're able to listen to that Holy Spirit, and you're able to say, yes, Lord, I did wrong, forgive me. I am turning in a new direction. That's the power that is with us. And I tell you that even when we, we try not to even think about it, the power, it is not, it's not limited to that, to just that. But it's there, and it manifests itself in the conviction that it brings, and the chastisement that it gives us sometimes when we go against what he wants for us, when he wants to correct us. So let me tell you, brethren, the presence of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And wherever you 
word about hey, the issue about worrying about the things of this world and the things of life. God is saying, you don't have to worry about those things. You're my child. You're a citizen of my kingdom. I have responsibility for all my subjects that are in my kingdom. So I don't want to worry about those things. I want you to just focus on me, focus on the priorities, focus on seeking me, because that's what I know that you need long before. And I'm going to make a way. And therefore, I'm saying to you this morning, there may be some things that you've been seeking after. There have been some things that you see. You're asking God every day, and why it can't come true for me. But I want you, let's get us all together, put our priorities in the right place. Just leave the thing alone. Sometimes there are some things you just have to drop it. The prayer was that you just drop it and say, God, it's in there. You take it. I am just going to pursue you. You mean when you start to do that journey, say, you just feel. You have to, you have to be sure you don't want it again. Because you're so consumed with what God wants you to do. And you're so consumed in just dwelling in God's presence. The things are just fear. And I want you to know God is faithful to his promise. He is faithful to his promise. He's going to take care of your needs. If you take care of his business first, he's going to take care of your needs. It is a present promise and it is a future promise. We have it today in the present kingdom and we know that we will have it in the kingdom to come because we are going to remain faithful to our God. Hallelujah. And so we are advised we first things first. We see there's a principle of faith. Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith when you're there worrying about these things. No man, fill up your faith, man. Know who your God is. Know that I am God, Jehovah, who provides. Know that the God who speaks and it accomplishes my word, accomplish that which I please. Know your God and stand firm in your faith in the sovereignty of your God. Right? There is the truth of God as our Father. You know, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father, know that you have your need of them. This is a father who takes care of his own, every need that you have. And of course, we see in, in, in verse 33, the principle of putting first things first. Hallelujah. God commands us, Jesus said, put the priority where it really belongs. When we do that, it's going to be reflected in our attitude. It's going to be reflected in our life's choices. It's going to be reflected in the way we spend our time. It's going to be reflected in the way we spend our money. It will be reflected in the way that we use our talents because all we want to do is to ensure that every decision that we make is comes under the leadership of Jesus Christ and we want to please him always. Hallelujah. And so, I, I want to remind us that, you know, what Jesus said here is not just is not just the first time. Right throughout scriptures, we see where Jesus speaks about the principle of first things first. In Agai, in the story of Agai, in the book of Agai, right, where we know that Judah was captured by the Babylonians, and. After they were captured by the Babylonians, sometimes after the Persians captured the Babylonians, right? And under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the Persians allowed them to go back to Jerusalem to build up the city, to dwell in the city. So when they went there, of course, they found nothing has really changed and the temple was in ruin. So immediately when they got back, they started to rebuild the temple. Of course, there was much celebration. And what they did was they laid the foundation of the temple. Because this is important. The temple is where the presence of the Lord dwelt in those times. But guess what? They came against opposition. And today they came against opposition. You remember the Samaritans, you know, opposed and wanted to, to, to come and build with them. And they said, no. And what did they do? They discontinued. And they started to build their own homes and their own stores. Right, and they put up their plant fields and they harvested crops. What were they doing? They were focusing on their own things. And the temple of the Lord laid waste. And in verse 2 of Agarem, it says, Speak the Lord of all saying, This people say the time has not 
was how should be built. Then the ladies, it wasn't important, it wasn't priority on their list. Right? Here it says, have I, um, as I said, is it time for you yourself to dwell in your panel houses and temple lying ruins? Is it time for you to make sure that your things are taken care of? You are well done, you work hard, you do this, but you don't give priority to the things of God. This is what was happening in Haggai's day. But Haggai, the, the prophecy, prophecy came through Haggai when he said in verse 5, Now therefore, thus said the Lord, consider your way. Give careful thought to what you are doing. Because what you're doing is not appropriate. He even said, you have so much and you're bringing little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you are not warm. You earn wages, but you earn wages to put in bag with holes. My God. You know what was happening? They were giving priority to their own concerns. And they were not giving any priority to the things of God. So the very things that they were doing were not prospering. He's in us in that place where he's so much priority to our own thing. We forget about the things of God. Is it per chance why we are not being successful, why we are not prospering? Because we are laboring, but it is profiting us nothing. We don't want to be like Judah, but we want to consider our ways, as the Lord said, and we want to, to build up the kingdom of God. We don't want to just work for food that perish, but we want to work for food that endures to eternal life. And so we have to give priority to the kingdom of God. We also see in, in the story of the widow of Zarephath, was coming on the land, we know the story, and Elijah went there. She had nothing, she was just gathering her sticks, the last little bit of flour that she had. And the man of God said to her, Take me a cake first. Yeah? So if you think about it in real terms in these days, famine on the land, that's the last you have. And you have your child when you eat it and there is nothing else. And somebody from India asks you to supply that? You tell me no. What are you going to do? But because of her faith in God and because the command came from the servant of the Lord, she obeyed. Obedience is better than sacrifice any day. We have to obey the work of the Lord. And we see, we know the story, how when she, she, she had more than enough because, guess what, she gave priority to the things of God. First things first. It was like a first fruit as it were. And the Lord honored his word in the life of this woman. And so as I conclude today, I want to say we have to keep first things first, to bring our life into the order that God ordained. Because when we do so, it sets the pattern or establishes destiny for what is left. Give God our best. Give God our first. That is what he requires from each of us today. So seek first. Seeking first is therefore an invitation to a new reality. The reality of the kingdom of God. It is an exchange indeed. Instead of living for and by the things that we do ourselves, Jesus invites us into a life of sonship where provision comes because of who we are. Not because of what we do, but because we may obedient to him. So the unique gifts and talents God has equipped you with are designed to obey and also be used by God for release transformative power of his kingdom here on earth. And as you do that, God is faithful. He's faithful to release vision, provision, and opportunity, and authority to walk in the assignment that he has created for us. And so, the kingdom of God is Jesus came to restore to humanity, the ministry, and all of us. And we have the power to We are ambassadors of this transformation of the kingdom of God And so today, as you reflect, bow your heads with me as you reflect on this word. And where you are at, and you know where you have not been placing priorities. You know how you get up in the morning, you run out, 
time you did not give God your first, the first hours of your day, the first minutes of your day, you know that you have not been given priority to the things of God in your giving, in the giving of your time, in the giving of the resources that we have blessed you with. You know that you really haven't been spending much time seeking after him in his presence, giving him priority. Brother, I'm so preoccupied with the things of this life that we forget why we're here. We forget our main focus. We're so preoccupied with the things in the quadrant four that we looked at in the, in the square earlier that we forget that we really need to be in two where we're focusing on our lifetime goal of pleasing our God so that when he returns, when the kingdom of God is fully manifested, we are here. And so I ask us today to reevaluate our lives and reassess our priorities. Where are we putting the first, the first things? Are we putting first things first? Where do we spend our energy? What is it that occupies our minds and our thoughts? Is our time spent on the things that will perish? Or have we spent in the service of God? Is our money spent on things foolishly? Or are we using it to build up the kingdom of God? We are encouraged today, oh God, help us. We have aspect of our life to God. We are encouraged today to change our mindset, our perspective. Reorder our lives. Because when we do that, everything else, Jesus is faithful to his promise, will fall in place. Give everything to him. <laughs> give control of our lives to God. Because when we give everything to God, we really lose nothing. Because we gain eternal life. Our eternal destiny is secure. We're reminded by the song that says, I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you, it owes you nothing. It owes you nothing. And as you bow your heads and we pray, Lord, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for reminding us that you are